All right, so in this short video, I want to explain what I think is best called sacramental economy. And this is coming in part on the heels of a second video I shot responding to um, Pastor, I think he's a pastor, uh, Mike Winger has a, a big, long, hour-long, hour and seven-minute-long screed against the Catholic Church. I think he makes a lot of mistakes, and he kind of goes through the sacraments. And so um, I just shot a second video, um, each one taking about five minutes of his video because there's just so much to unpack uh, in what he says, and it becomes like a half-an-hour video, so it's probably going to be like a multi-hour-long series by the time I'm done. But it made me realize that I need to have um, a, a good way to just explain what the sacraments are. Um, and so this is something that I've used uh, in the RCA classes that I teach, which is for people who want to join the church to kind of help them understand the concept of grace in the Catholic church uh, and, and sacraments, right? And there's a, there's a direct interplay between grace and the sacraments. And so I'm going to give you an analogy here in a minute, but let me just first give you some some phrases and a little bit of discussion uh, about how all of this works, because I think it'll help make all of the rest of the discussion uh, about the sacraments a little bit more easy to understand. So a sacrament is an outward sign instituted by Christ to give grace. I think that's literally what it says in the Baltimore Catechism, which is like the 1913 Catechism uh, before the, the new revised Big Fat Catechism came out, which is great. And I will try and include a link to this. Um, you can go to Vatican.va. And, and read it, or just Google uh, catechism sacraments, and you'll you'll find this stuff. Um, but the the catechism, the new catechism, says this in paragraph ten eighty four, which you can see over here. Um, there's lots of every every paragraph is numbered, so that's how you reference the catechism if you're not familiar with it. Um, it's the the very first thing that shows up. Um, in front of every single line. There's oftentimes, if you have a, a physical catechism, which I don't actually have mine in here, I was just using the one online, um, there'll be cross-reference numbers as well, which are cross-referencing cross other, other um, paragraphs. But anyway, so the catechism says this, seated at the right hand of the Father and pouring out the Holy Spirit on his body, which is the church, Christ now acts through the sacraments he instituted to communicate his grace. The sacraments are perceptible signs, words and actions, materials, accessible to our human nature. By the action of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, they make present efficaciously, effectively, the grace that they signify. So baptism, through the symbol and sign, the words, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the water itself combined, make the sacrament. And the sacrament is efficacious, given to us by Christ. And that's what that whole thing was I just got through shooting about Mike's video. That's the part two in the, the Mike Winger series. If you want to look it up, I might even put a link to it up in the top right corner. Um, if I remember to do that during uh, uploading this video to YouTube. Um, but at the end of the day, they are given to us by Jesus to give us grace. And what is grace? A lot of Protestants have just kind of a generic term for it. You know, it's, it's free unmerited favor great, but what does that really mean? I've always loved and really appreciated the Catholic Church's understanding of grace, and it says basically this, grace is a participation in the life of God. It introduces us into the intimacy of the Trinity life or the Trinitarian life. By baptism, the Christian participates in the grace of Christ, the head of his body. As an adopted son, he can henceforth be called God, he can henceforth call God Father in union with the only Son. He receives the life of the Spirit who breathes charity, love into him, and who forms 
the church. And of course, God is love. So grace is, in fact, it's not just unmerited favor, but it is the very life of God in us. It's a constant invitation by a God who is love itself, himself, to know him and to love him, which is the whole point of creation going all the way back to the beginning, right? God, who is love, creates man in his image. Uh, and he does it not because he's lacking anything, not because he's desiring anything, but simply because he is love. And what does love do but give freely of itself, expecting nothing in return? And so God creates us freely that we might know him and love him. But of course, uh, with freedom comes the ability to say no. And really, the whole story of the fall in Genesis 3 uh, is put in place to help us understand how a world created good by an all-merciful, all-loving Father could nevertheless get disrailed, right? Or get derailed, how it could go off the tracks so badly. And ultimately, the answer is because God allows us the freedom to reject Him because, and I, I use some strong language here, God is not a rapist right? God doesn't force love. And there's a lot of our Protestant brothers and sisters have this concept that makes me really sad because I think it really denies the essence of God being love. Um, and they have this idea that, that God is the divine puppet master and, you know, we do whatever he wants us to do. Uh, and some people, this is very particular in the reformed tradition, the Calvinist tradition, you know, God gives grace to some people and to others he doesn't. And that's just totally his call. And, you know, if he wants to make you just for the purposes of damning you, that's totally his decision and his his ways are so far above us that we just simply can't um can't question him i think that's a terrible understanding of who god is and i think it doesn't square very well with the god as presented uh, as he presents himself to us uh in the scriptures god tells us amongst other things that he is love right and uh, so, uh, both timothy uh, paul's letter to timothy and and uh, peter's epistles make it clear that god wills the salvation of all people now if God wills it and he's all powerful, he can make anything he wills happen as long as it's something that's utterly a part of his will. Um, if it is the case that some people don't get salvation, uh, it's because there's something outside of his will that is allowed to thwart the process of salvation. And that one thing, that utterly beautiful, radical, terrible, amazing thing is human freedom. God loves us so much that he respects us and he lets us do as we please, but he seeks to elicit that, that, that loving response. And he does this in a continuous effort, right? Uh, God is always offering grace. Um, and in fact, we would, we would kind of break grace into two or even three potential categories, um, actual grace and sanctifying grace. And I actually have actual grace here. Uh, it looks like it's spelled wrong. Or like I, I didn't quite do it right because the first three letters are, are, um, bold, but actually I put it that way on purpose because I want to really stress what actual grace is. Actual grace refers to God's interventions, whether at the beginning of our conversion, that's the first moment that gives us faith, or in the course of the work of our sanctification, our becoming holier, our deepening in our relationship with him. He's always prompting us and, and poking us and pushing us. And anytime we do anything good, it's actually grace working in us to do that. And the only thing we do at the end of the day is submit. We freely accept the grace in, in humble submission, uh, that humility that undoes the pride of the fall. Um, and then we maintain, we abide or else 
we reject it. That's really, I think that's what Augustine says. And I, I've, I've really appreciated when I read it. Um, I actually did my master's uh, thesis on this. And I think that uh, it's probably the best way to resolve the omnipotence of God, uh, his willingness to give grace to all, the fact that we can't do good apart from grace, um, you know, and just understanding the interplay of all of these different factors is we're still free, but our freedom is really just a freedom to submit or to rebel right? That really is human freedom uh, in a nutshell. Uh, I mean, there's probably lots of little tiny avenues of freedom, like a, a responding to grace. You know, I might choose to, uh, to, to respond to grace by, um, you know, raising money for the orphans, or I might respond to grace by painting uh, the playground equipment for the orphans, <laughs> or by, you know, providing money for the widows or, you know, whatever good work I would wind up doing, right? Um, but the, so there, there's freedom in there. There's, there's freedom in the, you know, you know, am I going to have steak for dinner or am I going to have pizza or am I going to fast today? Um, you know, there's lots of different ways we can, we can, we can express our, our freedom and grace and our freedom in, in, in our fallen nature as well. Uh, but ultimately our decision to do good, uh, is always a cooperation with the grace of God. And ultimately, um, the the actual grace God gives us is an invitation to receive sanctifying grace. And sanctifying grace is the habitual gift uh, of a stable and supernatural disposition that perfects the soul itself, which enables it to live with God and to act by his love. So the whole point of all of salvation is for us to be filled with grace as perfectly as we can be. And so here's where I'm going to give you an analogy. And I've always found this to be very helpful. We are designed to be like a glorious chalice. So this is just a fun picture. It's actually very appropriate because, of course, it's a picture of a communion, communion cup. You can see the grapes and the wine and everything else. But imagine this. So when God creates us, he creates us perfect and good. And we are designed to be filled with his grace. And so in this image, and of course, all analogies are imperfect and they break down if you push them too hard. But I think this is a very useful way to understand, right? So we are designed to be a chalice filled to the brim with the grace of God. Maybe this should even be like right up at the top, right? But this is a you know five minute search for a royalty free image on Google. So you can get what you get, right? <laughs> Oftentimes when I give this talk in RSA classes, I just use my hands or I draw on the board. So um, you're, you're at least not getting my uh, my terrible drawings but imagine a beautiful chalice filled to the brim right this is how we are designed to be we are designed to be receptacles of love we are designed to be chalices filled to the brim with the very love of god the very grace of god however at some primordial moment in human history the man adam chose to rebel and in doing that he closed himself up from god and he damaged almost completely uh what it means to, to have human nature or what our human nature is and, and how we respond to God. So think about taking this chalice and then melting it down into a ball, right? So if, if this is how we are meant to be in, in the state of original sin, this is kind of how we are created, right? This is, this is how we come into the world, closed off. And if God's grace is represented by a liquid being, being poured, well, how much, how much liquid can really collect on a ball, right? Not a lot, maybe a little bit, right? And this would almost be perfectly analogous to like how God's um, actual grace prompts us to move and, and to receive the sacraments eventually, right? And to do good. But by and large, our ability to be um, in communion with God is cut off almost completely uh, through original sin. And so in the promise he made from the very beginning to crush the head of the serpent through the seed of the woman, uh, Mary and Jesus, 
He implemented his church and he gave us conduits of grace that can repair this. The, uh, as Paul says, and Peter says, the ministry of reconciliation. And that begins with the washing away of all of our sins and our, our death to our old life and our resurrection to our new life or being born again to our new life in Christ. And that happens at baptism. And so baptism is like taking this metal ball and striking it with a hammer. This isn't a perfect image. It's actually like a washer or a nut or a bead or something. But again, it's just an image, right? But so baptism is, let me, let me, let me orient this so it makes more sense, right? Boom. There we go. Now it's like it's upright. Boom. So, so baptism is like striking with a hammer or, or a drill in making uh, a big well or a divot in this container, right? In this, in this thing. And so now you can see it's starting to look like the way it was meant to be. It's starting to look like the chalice. Obviously we have a long way to go to get from there to here, right? But that's why we abide. That's why we continue to receive the sacraments uh, because with baptism, we are opened up. We are able to receive the grace of God and that grace wells in us particularly strongly in the Eucharist, uh, which we'll talk about because I'll have a whole video about it when I get to the part on Mike. <laughs> so just take it as a given for now and down the road, um, look for it on this channel. I'll have a whole discussion about the Eucharist and how we understand it and everything else, right? But the Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith. It is the body and blood of Jesus Christ himself. And it is the main form of the very covenant itself. This is the covenant of the new covenant in my blood. So Jesus, the only time he ever mentions the new covenant and the blood of the covenant is at that last supper when he celebrates with the, the apostles he says this is my body this is my blood do this in memory of me he sets it up as a perpetual ordinance to be done and that's exactly how the early church carried it out so every time we partake in the sacraments that is in fact our response to grace we are responding to actual grace to god's prompts and his desire to elicit from us uh this this loving response to him to be open and receptive and kind of like the the way the colorado river uh wore away at the grand canyon over time um through the continuous reception of grace, we deepen this well and we slowly become closer and closer to the thing we were created to be. We become closer and closer to that uh, original chalice-like state. Um, I'm going to use this picture for another minute here just because uh, it's easier to manipulate than the big picture of the chalice. So if this is us in the process of sanctification, getting holier. So imagine, you know, over time it, it gets, uh, you know, the, the hole gets deeper and deeper and deeper. The well gets bigger, the sides go up. Um, you know, confirmation would be like adding a lot of the adornments to it. It's what infuses us with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, It'd be like adding rifling or, or fluting down on the inside of it so that the grace can, can sanctify it even more so. It's what gives us the, the imparts the gifts of the Holy Spirit to us, right? And then, so through those three sacraments, the sacraments of initiation, uh, which are baptism that brings us into the new covenant, uh, Eucharist that sustains us, and confirmation. Um, and all of these are found in scripture. All of these are practiced by the early church. We'll have videos on those. I have all the videos on those down the road. Um, they are what allow us to grow in holiness, you know, literally bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger in our ability to, to hold more grace and to more closely approach the shape we're in. Now, in this life, once we are saved, once we've accepted Jesus, we must abide. 
right? We must remain with him. Scripture is also replete with lots of different places where we're told we can turn away. Uh, one of the most clear ones, in my opinion, is is Second Peter 2, uh, 20 and following, where he speaks of people who have renounced the world in Jesus, um, but then have become re-ensnared by it again, right? And so we can sin. And, and John makes this clear in his first epistle, 1 John 5, he talks about sin. And there's two kinds of sin. There's mortal sin and venial sin. And John literally uses the word mortal or deadly sin, right? He says there's not, not all sin is deadly. The wages of sin is death, but not all sin is deadly. So whenever we sin, especially once we've been baptized, it's imagine, you know, you, you've received baptism and grace is beginning to well up in you, right? Well, if you sin a little bit, you lie, you steal a little bit, maybe, you know, you, you do something that's not quite deadly. It's like tipping right? It's like, it's like tipping. And what happens to a cup when you tip it? The grace starts to fall out. The more you sin, the more you tip. And that's why it's always very important to be working on sanctification at all times, right? Always receiving the sacraments, always receiving uh, the Eucharist, going to confession frequently. And I'll talk about that here in just a second, right? Because we're gonna have a whole thing about confession. In fact, that's, that's the next video I'll be shooting on Mike, because that's where he goes to next. So uh, a mortal sin would be like turning this upside down completely. And it, it destroys the charity of God in us, right? So something like murder or adultery, amongst other things, you know, things that are uh, mortal sin requires it being a grave matter. Um, you need to have sufficient knowledge and it needs to be freely committed. So if you're under mind control and you kill someone, that's not a mortal sin, right? If it's self-defense and you kill someone you didn't intend for it, that's not a mortal sin. Um, if you're a serial killer, it's a mortal sin, right? Um, and so when we've been totally, when we've been tipped like this, um, we're suffering from venial sins or less deadly sins. Um, simply receiving Christ in the Eucharist is plenty enough to repair our relationship with God. However, when we sin gravely, and all of us do occasionally, it's like turning ourselves completely away from God. And when the cup is upside down like this, it can't collect grace. And the only way you can do that is by writing yourself with God. And the way that we write ourselves with God is through confession. And Jesus gives the authority to his church, to his apostles in John 20, whoever sins you forgive or forget, whoever sins you retain are retained. They have that ministry of reconciliation. And the very fact that they can forgive or retain sins tells you they have to know what those sins are. And again, he's not speaking to everyone. He's speaking to his 12 or his 11 remaining because Judas is gone at this point, right? But they in turn give this authority to the episcopoi, the, the overseers, the bishops that they appoint. And those bishops in turn give this authority to the presbyteroi or the priests uh, who are the, you know, there are more priests than there are bishops. And so they're the ones who are normatively going to be dispensing uh, this grace um, as well as the grace of most of the sacraments we receive are usually under a priest, unless you happen to live uh, near where a, a bishop happens to be. So um, so that is why we have the sin of confession, which is actually my favorite, or not the sin, oh gosh. That's why we have the sacrament of confession to wash away or to, to forgive our sins and right us with God so we can begin to recollect uh, that grace, to let it well up inside of us uh, all over again and continue, uh, you know, deepen us kind of like, again, the Colorado river made the grand Canyon took a long time, but the more the water flows through, the more it wears it away, the more it makes the, the Canyon deeper. We're meant to be grand canyons full of God's grace, you know, uh, as full to the brim. And this also speaks to, you know, we, we hear passages in scripture about, you know, the crowns of glory and whatnot. And in heaven, no one will be unfulfilled. Everyone will be filled as full as they can be. However, 
in heaven, some of us may be a little more full than others. So, you know, maybe, maybe this is the apostles, you know, the great martyrs for the faith. Maybe this is someone like, say, Mother Teresa, right? Maybe this is me right here. You know, I'm just a little guy. I still will be filled to the brim and they'll be filled to the brim. We'll all be as full as possible, though some may simply be more full than others. But in heaven, being perfected through purgatory, which, you know, I have a whole bitty one, <laughs> through that 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 complete death to sin, the final purification that, that removes any attachment to sin, we won't feel jealousy, right? You will feel no more jealous of one of the great saints in heaven having more grace than you do, then you feel uh, for a beautiful, majestic sunset being prettier than you are, right? It's just something that gives glory to God. And so I think this is a very useful analogy for understanding sacrament, uh, sacramental economy, how the sacraments apply to us, why we have them in the first place. And this is the ministry of the church from the very beginning. Read the early church fathers, read the pre-Nicene, pre-Constantine fathers, right? This is the ministry that they lived out in their day-to-day -day life. It was the dispensation of the sacraments for the sake of the reconciliation of the world. Hopefully this made sense. Obviously, if you have any questions or comments, uh, leave them down below uh, in the uh, in the comment section. I'll feel free. To, I'll try to respond to those if I get a chance. Um, feel free to like and subscribe to this channel. Again, that gives me a little dopamine burst. It says you like what I'm doing. And uh, if you like what I'm doing, it means I'm much more likely to keep doing it. Um, my next few videos will either be reading through some of the Deuterocanonicals. I just started the book of Sirach uh, or else probably a response to um, the second part or the third part of Mike's Mike Muir's video. Uh, so look for that as well. If you have any questions, let me know. Otherwise, thank you very much. God bless you.